When I stopped selling over the phone, it felt so much better. Every business coach I've worked with has given me their proven sales script to manage objections and close the sale on the call. No matter the script, no matter how much of myself I infused into the script, it still felt scripted. Disingenuous and schmutzy. I hated feeling like I had to close a deal on the call with the person I just met like 15 to 30 minutes ago. How can you expect to have an established relationship in that short of a time span? You can't. I think that's one of the biggest disconnects I've felt in my business. Doing what works for others to quote unquote close the deal never felt aligned or like something that I wanted in my business. Why? Because I value genuine conversation and building a real relationship before working with someone else. Basically, would we vibe if we weren't working together? If the answer is yes, awesome. Let's continue to build upon that conversation and grow our relationship. If it still feels like an amazing fit and the other person is at a place where it feels good to work together, awesome. Let's do it. Quick note here, not selling over the phone and not having to create time or monetary scarcity to close the deal is what feels good to me. Because as part of my human design, I value peace and achieving it in every scenario. But discovery calls may work for you, your design and the clients that you wanna work with. As with anything in this world, there isn't a one size fits all approach. Second week in a row I'm saying this phrase, but it rings just as true in this situation as it did last week. Your human design can play a large part into how you interact with prospective clients, how you feel on the typical sales call, and how you may want to do business differently. This is why bringing the human design component into the virtual masterminds I host is such a different approach than most people have ever experienced. Many of the RDs I've had in my masterminds have worked with coaches or were working with coaches at the same time as they were in the mastermind. The human design piece allows the RDs in the mastermind to see themselves in a different light. So rather than having to follow a blueprint and complete all of these modules in the six week mastermind, they're given a more in-depth personal insight so that they can practice making decisions in a way that serves them rather than having to follow someone else's blueprint for success. That's the amazing part about leaning into your human design. You'll have some aspects of yourself reaffirmed, And you'll also have new insights into being able to make changes to your life and business that feel so much more you. I create masterminds based on my intuition of the people who I know need to meet. If this feels like the flexible guidance you need within your business, let's chat. Like I said earlier, I won't sell you on the call because that's not my vibe. I want to get to know you and see how we vibe. I'll also be able to get a better idea of who you need to meet within the mastermind setting to create the supportive environment that you need for growth. So if you're feeling the vibe, let's chat. Well, on to today's interview with Sarah Hines, an RD who has worked in education, shaping the minds of the next dietitian generation, and also in the clinical RD setting within behavioral health. So let's tune into my chat with Sarah. Sarah Hines, welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative. I am stoked to have you here. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Of course. Let's dive into the three most important questions ever before we learn a little bit more about you as an RD. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your bucket list travel destination? My bucket list travel destination would probably have to be Turks and Caicos because I believe that is the beach where they have the, the wild pigs that 
that roam. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. They roam on the beaches. I've seen people (laughs) swim with them and I'm a huge animal person and I would absolutely love that. That's really specific and I kind of love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've thought a lot about it. (laughs) Okay. Number two, what is your favorite meal of all time? My favorite meal of all time would probably have to be my mom's chicken and dumplings. There is just nothing like them. She, she makes them, she's made them since I was a kid and they are just so warm and comforting and I could eat them every single day for the rest of my life probably. And I just want to be clear, like the dumplings are like the flour mixture that you like then cook in the soup, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she makes drop dumplings okay. and I believe uh, all around America, there's different types of dumplings that you can make. Like yeah. you can either roll them and cut them or you can do drop dumplings. And yeah. she's always made drop dumplings. And I remember when I was a kid and she would make them, it was just the best. It was the best night of the week to have <laughs> dumplings, chicken and dumplings. It's my absolute favorite comfort meal. That's awesome. All right. And then last question, coffee or cocktails? That's hard, but I would definitely say coffee. I'm a huge coffee person. Uh, Lately, though, I've been getting into the world of tea, like more specifically milky tea, okay, uh, like chai tea and things like that. But my favorite is coffee, coffee all day long, every day. Cool. Very cool. Well, I feel like now we know basically everything about you and your childhood favorite food. So the most important thing. Exactly. (laughs) I would love to know how your journey as an RD began. Yeah. So that's a loaded question. I feel like (laughs) my journey as an RD is anything but normal. Um, So I went to school in East Texas and I studied nutrition And I, about my sophomore year, I was like, I want to be a dietitian. I can't really tell you the exact reasons why. I was interested in nutrition in high school. I was an athlete. And I remember talking to my advisor and she was asking me like what I wanted to major in. And I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. I wasn't sure what. And she kind of narrowed it down with me that I, I liked nutrition. And so I decided to study it. And when I got into the nutrition program, I had no idea what a dietitian was. I didn't know <laughs> dietitians existed. I knew what a nutritionist was, but yeah. I didn't know you could get a degree in nutrition and, you know, like work in a hospital or work in all the various fields. And yeah. so that was exciting. I do feel like, though, I was very naive and I didn't understand the process of becoming a dietitian. And so the next step is going into an internship. For sure. Instead of that, (laughs) I decided to get married. (laughs) And so uh, we got, my husband and I got married very young. Uh, We got married right out of college. We moved to Tennessee. And since I was married, we didn't have a lot of money. And I was like, I can't do this internship. Uh, We have to work. So I veered off the path completely and worked as a preschool teacher. Oh, wow. For two years. (laughs) Vastly different. And I loved that job. I loved the people I worked with, but there was just days I remember driving to work where I was like, I can't do this forever. This is not my passion. This is not what I want to do the rest of my life. And so... 
instead of applying for the internship, I decided I want to go back to school. So I went, right. Like, uh, so I decided I'm, I want to go to graduate school. I applied to graduate school and got in and we moved back to Texas so I could go to graduate school and went to school for two years. It was a great experience. I loved the school I went to. I loved the program. And what you major then, in, if you don't mind me I majored in uh, human nutrition. So okay. I have a master's in science. Cool. Yeah. And uh, it was a great program. And then I decided, okay, well, I guess now that I have my master's, I guess I should finish this and go ahead and get, uh, you know, apply for the internship to become an RD. And so I applied and I got in and I took a distance uh, program because uh, we were, (laughs) we were moving back to Tennessee for my husband's job. (laughs) And so I figured that would be probably the best way for me to make connections in the area we were in. And that is not for the faint of heart. Um, I mean, (laughs) the internship in general is a beast. Uh, Dicus is a beast. But getting into an internship and then realizing that you have to find all of your placements was incredibly stressful. No doubt. So let's break that down. Yeah. Let's go back to grad school. What was your thought process on just like more schooling versus internship? (laughs) So I, I've always just had, I guess, a goal of wanting to go to grad school, regardless if the requirements to become a dietitian, like how they're now talking about, you have to have a master's degree Yeah. before any of that came out. I always knew I wanted to go back to school um, just as like a personal goal. I thrive in school. I thrive in that environment of like going going to class and studying. And it's difficult, very difficult. But the internship was much more difficult for me because it's, you know, the clinical, the community, the food service work. It's just completely different. Um, There's there's guidance, but I think less so. mm -hmm. Like you have to kind of figure it out as you're doing it. And then you're like, is this right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. And so since I dove into a distance program, I didn't have anybody I felt like watching over me as you would like in graduate school. I went to class. I knew my professors. I knew the people in my class. And there's such a benefit to uh, on-campus learning or being face-to-face with people. I see the benefit to the distance and I see the benefit to, you know, online school as well. But I'm so happy that I did do face-to-face graduate school compared to online yeah. just because I felt like I got more out of it. So let's unpack the distance a little bit. Yeah. So I had another RD earlier this season on who talked about distance and she did it mostly in Miami, which I feel like is extremely challenging because of how competitive some of those schools are and how yeah. competitive some of those hospitals are. Mm-hmm. So you spoke about like the connections that you made locally. Mm-hmm. Was that, do you think looking back now, do you feel like that was really beneficial for where you're at in your, in your current RD space that you were able to make those connections on a local level doing a distance program? Yeah. So I would say a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I thought <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty. I thought it would be extremely beneficial. And I thought I would get a job right away uh, because yeah. I had all these connections, but 
it was really hard for me to make some of the connections were about an hour to two hours away because of where my placements were they were they were out of the city so Nashville has a lot of the big hospitals like Vanderbilt and Lipscomb and the big dietetic internships there as well and so I was a few hours out and I felt like every place I tried to intern with they were like well we already take the Vanderbilt interns we can't take you to you know so the field I'm in now I was initially interested in that field because I had such a long placement with a clinical dietitian in that field okay so and and can you elaborate yeah yeah so (laughs) I um I had a preceptor who took me in for about three months uh at a mental health hospital and I work yeah, I work in behavioral health now. And so I feel like she gave me a lot of insight in that field and it really sparked my interest yeah. in that field. And it was something that I didn't think I was initially interested in. So that's, do you work with peds? Do you work with adults? I work with adolescents and adults mm-hmm. inpatient, outpatient. Yeah. I've only had a little bit of experience of like with this niche as yeah. uh, a diet tech and like that was okay. literally just like menu planning for for kids, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. at the time. But like, it is a crazy cool world. Is it, it is. inpatient? It's inpatient and outpatient. Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I, I was able to see both as well. So yeah, I feel you. It is. It's not something a lot of RDS get exposure to. Yeah, but it is very interesting working with the team as a whole mm-hmm. um, and helping people kind of get through that really tough spot right. and onto whatever normalcy there can be afterwards. And obviously they're still going to need guidance and help and support throughout, but to get them through that, like very acute setting. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to that, you seem to also have like a non-diet approach to, to wellness as well, Mm -hmm. or to nutrition as well. Are you doing anything on the side or is that still your major gig at this point? Yeah, so I work in behavioral health uh, full time and I have done some contract work uh, in the past with some private practices. And I also part time I teach at a university. And so I teach nutrition and disease. And I try to bring in my non diet approach as I teach, because I feel like when I was in school, the professors at no fault of their own, I kind of feel like they taught us disordered habits on accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to do that for my students. And so I bring in the lens of the non-diet approach and I try to introduce concepts like that throughout the chapters that I teach Um, just, just to give them a new perspective and give them some gray area to, to like sit in because nutrition isn't black and white. And the students I teach are going to be health professionals one day themselves. And I don't want them to take what I say and, you know, regurgitate that to whoever they're working with one day. So totally. I think this new generation of RDs, like who became RDs, I would say with like within like the last eight years yeah. have this more non-diet or anti-diet approach, more of an intuitive approach. And we yeah. really like that same group of RDs, we did not get that in school at yeah. all. I mean, we 
I was told to have nonfat milk on a regular basis. Yeah. And like, let's be real guys. It doesn't taste good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just be real. Like it tastes like shit. Yeah. So for me, I think flavor focused is, is what I preach. Mm-hmm. Like if it tastes good and it can balance with everything else that you're eating, go mm-hmm. for it. Absolutely. So I think, I feel like we are really approaching nutrition from this different mindset than, than has been taught over the last 50, 60 plus years. So I love that you're able to take that mindset that you have and instill it in the next generation in a way that you're right, makes them look within that gray area, makes them think outside the box and not just rely on like everything that the textbook is telling them and like things that they're hearing from outside sources as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. All right. So being in this space, let me ask, how long have you been in RD? I've been in RD for almost two years. Okay, sweet. First cycle RD. High five. Yeah, I became an RD (laughs) at the very beginning of the pandemic. So (laughs) that's a whole nother story, man. No doubt. (laughs) It was difficult. (laughs) Um, okay. So being in this space for almost two years, I feel like things have changed for sure. Um, is there any nutrition wisdom that you feel like other RDs can benefit from, whether it be in like from the space of your day job or the space of consulting or the space of teaching? Mm, That is a good question. So one of the biggest things I've learned, and I haven't been a dietitian for very long, But I have learned, and I feel like this is nutrition knowledge that anybody should carry with them, and it might be obvious to some people, but everybody is an individual, and that is a very obvious statement. But what I mean by that is that everybody has individual needs and individual circumstances. So when I work with patients at the inpatient, outpatient facility I work at, it's really not practical for me to do a class with them and then tell them, okay, I need you to, you know, leave here and I need you to just eat X, Y, Z. And I expect you to eat all the fresh fruits and all the fresh vegetables. And that's not realistic. And I feel like in school, people might agree with me here that that was not talked about to me. That was not mentioned that we are going to have to step down to people's individual circumstances and like meet them where they're at. They necessarily can't step up and meet us where we're at. Um, So that's something I'm continuously learning that, yeah, we can have all this knowledge on nutrition and we can know all the things and we can understand all the mechanisms, but that doesn't really help when you're applying it to patient care. If you can't communicate it and apply it in a way that works for them realistically. Girl, hundred percent. I think especially <laughs> when you're working with that, like mental health component side mm-hmm. of things. And typically there is a mental health component side of things, regardless mm-hmm. of the client that you're working with, whether yeah. it is inpatient, outpatient, private practice. I feel like there's always some type of history that that client is going to bring with them mm-hmm. that may be hindering them or that may be scaring them 
about a certain type of food or a certain right. way of thinking about food. So I feel like that is really important. And I think that's also something to take into account when you are in private practice. Like yeah. if you're working in an environment where someone can be triggered by X, Y, and Z, yeah. that maybe a group approach is not the best approach, that individualized approach may be the best approach. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. There's just been so many times where I can think of my training or something that I was taught in school and it just doesn't apply to the situation that I'm dealing with uh, because of where this person is at. And for example, when I was doing my internship, there was a guy who drank like 30 sodas a day or something. Oh God. And my, my preceptor was like, obviously we don't want him to drink this much, you know, (laughs) but you can't just tell somebody to stop drinking soda. And she was like, I'm going to encourage him to, to drink 10 a day, which is weird. I mean, from the outside looking in, when people who don't work in this field, they might be like, what? Why would you encourage them to drink 10 a day? But for me, it's just about taking those baby steps to attainable, realistic habits because no one is going to just completely overhaul their diet or their routine overnight. So it's about understanding, you know, what they're doing and what's normal for them. So, yeah, I completely agree. I I think I spoke about this on like two to three podcasts ago, but breaking it down into its most simple form Mm -hmm. for whomever that is, right? Mm -hmm. So like you said, from 30 to 10, it sounds crazy to the person in the outside world, but Mm -hmm. for that person, yeah, like I can drink 10 a day instead of 30 and maybe maybe replace it with one glass of water instead of (laughs) the 20 other uh, sodas, you know? (laughs) Yeah, and asking people what what goals they want to set, I think is also really important because I always tell people I work with that they are the expert of their body and they have body autonomy and they can do as they please. And I am here to help guide them on those decisions, but I cannot make you make any decision, nor would I want to make you make any decision, you know? Yeah, so totally figuring out people's own goals and what drives them is also important. Yeah, definitely. And I think RDs, like we need to be psychologists in some way, shape or form, right? To like, not maybe not super intensely, but to, to at least help these people overcome their hurdles because there's always some type of hurdle that needs to be overcome in the food world. Yeah, Um, I agree. Very cool. Yeah. Girl, this conversation was fantastic. <laughs> I would love to know how you would like to collaborate with other RDs. Put yeah. that out into the universe and let them respond <laughs> to you. <laughs> so my Instagram is at dietitian.sarah with another H at the end. And I am pretty active on Instagram. I love to meet and collaborate with other dietitians like you. I'm so happy yeah. that you invited me on your podcast. <laughs> this has been great. Are there any RDs in specific niches that you would want to collaborate with with on Instagram? I am always looking to learn more from RDs. Really, I would love to collaborate with any and all RDs. Uh, I'm always looking to learn more from people in the intuitive eating field, in the health at every size field, uh, the behavioral health field. Uh, My job consists of like a lot of little niches. So even people who are specifically in nutrition with kids or adolescents, 
I would love to collaborate and meet anybody. <laughs> I'm always looking for fellow RD friends uh, to network with. So definitely. And I feel like the being on Instagram can definitely help with that. It can also cause a lot of imposter syndrome, but it can also oh definitely help with I that. Agree. <laughs> also, I'm on TikTok. I don't know if you are, but I created a TikTok uh, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> check out uh check out hannah thompson i believe her name is on dietitian hannah thompson she was on our last podcast she is the queen of tiktok in the rd world good girl just went viral on uh, buzzfeed uk so definitely check her out i will (laughs) yeah i just the the whole video thing i i don't know maybe i'll pick it up but (laughs) i think it's a generational thing it's okay yeah (laughs) Honestly, this sounds silly, but I watch a lot of people make, like, I can make the reels on Instagram, but those take time for me to edit and things. But the TikToks look a lot more authentic and not, I guess, as edited, which is okay, but I just don't understand how people video everything, if that makes sense. So, (laughs) anyway, I just need someone to follow me around as I cook uh, and just video me doing all the things, but it's just me. All right, guys. So that's a job out for hire, apparently. (laughs) We'll pay in food. (laughs) I'll pay in meal prep. (laughs) Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right, guys, chat next week. So regardless of how long you've been in RD or what your experiences are, this is a perfect example that like we don't have to all be entrepreneurs to be changing and impacting lives. We can RD in our own way. And it's so freaking awesome. So let's do a quick recap. One, we can challenge what we're taught in school. Two, everyone has individual needs and individual circumstances. We have to meet them where they're at. Three, your patients or clients are the experts of their body. Damn, such great information. And I love having these conversations with RDs who have, sometimes I've chatted with ahead of time and sometimes I don't. And just getting to see them and getting to understand their stories as we chat has just been so eye-opening and I'm really honored to be able to hold this space for my fellow RDs to share their stories, to talk about things differently. And yeah, it's, it's amazing that we live in a place that we live in a world where this is possible. All right, guys. So as every week, I would love for you to share this podcast with fellow dietitians, your RD bestie. And if it really resonates with you, share it on Instagram, share it with the world of fellow RDs out there as well. I would really appreciate it. I would also really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, whatever your favorite player is. It helps out the show a lot, just helps visibility and all of the things. So until next time, ciao guys. (music) 